Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. With no special editing at all, that's exactly the way it went down. Um, and I was, because of Team Wilson, she'd already got us all the points. I was able to take the knee in the victory formation, which is the best play in football, is when your team is in the lead, the other team doesn't have any timeouts left, that's what will happen. A quarterback will take the snap, go to a knee, and if that's the team you're rooting for, that's the best play of the game, because you're securing the win. Taking the knee secures the win. Now, uh, Time and circumstance matters on taking a knee in a game like that. And, and there was a game, a Division Three football game by uh, two teams. Lacrosse was placed was, uh, versus Platteville. Platteville was in a perfect position to win the game. They're down by one. All they needed to do was kick a field goal. They were deep into Lacrosse's territory. Their quarterback, all he had to do was take the snap. He was going to spike the ball to stop the clock so that they could kick the field goal. Yet he got confused. Instead of spiking the ball, he takes the snap takes a knee, they're down by one, the clock is still running. By the time everyone realizes what is going on, now there's no time, five seconds, four, three, two, one. Uh, Platteville ends up losing the game because the quarterback took the knee at the wrong time in the wrong circumstance. Well, I'm gonna I'm talk about, uh, about taking the knee and, and you'll see what I mean by that as we look at Philippians chapter two. If you go to Philippians chapter two, the apostle Paul is writing to a church in Philippi and he's writing about Jesus Christ. He's writing, uh, and this is what he says, and we'll start in verse six. He's talking about Jesus when he says, Jesus who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. We sang about this a moment ago. Verse 10 says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. There it is, take the knee. Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Verse 12, Paul continues, he says, therefore my dear friends, kind of as a result of what I've just said, he says, therefore my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, He says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according in order to fulfill his good purpose. Based on what Paul says there about the time and circumstance to take a knee, there's just three questions that I want us to consider together. In our remaining few moments that we have, I want us to consider three questions. And the first question I would want us to consider would be this. What has my knee? Who has my knee? What has my knee? In other words, what have I 
bowed to in my life? What am I currently submitted to in my life? Uh, what's what's kind of in control of my life, if you want to word it that way? And some people in here may go, well, no, I don't bow to anything. But it's not true. Because we're all kind of born to bow. We're, we're kind of wired that way to to find something to give ourselves to. I mean, have you noticed that? It's been all throughout history. Matter of fact, you can go all the way back to the Old Testament. In Exodus chapter 32, Moses is up on a mountain and he's meeting with God. He's getting ready to bring down uh, some of what God uh, wants to tell the people. And while he's up there, the people of Israel are down at the bottom of the mountain. They say, he's taking too long. They said, let's do this. Can we just make a God that, that would tell us what to do? Can we just make a God to worship? And so they put all their gold in and they formed this golden calf. Why did that happen? It happened because we human beings are wired to worship. We human beings are just born to find something to bow to. In the New Testament, the same thing happens in Acts chapter 17. Paul's talking to to one city, and he says, you guys have altars for everything. He says, as a matter of fact, I found an altar that just says to an unknown God. And they're, they're, they're out there they're just bowing to things that they don't even know, bowing things that they don't understand because we're just wired that way. You can take it in a modern day. And we are, we're looking for something to worship. I mean, this afternoon, I promise, there will be people worshiping, worshiping, bowing to that football game or those football players or that, 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 that Super Bowl experience. Matter of fact, you could look at the last two Sundays. Last Sunday night was the Grammys, and this Sunday night's the Super Bowl. Listen, there wouldn't be a Grammys if human beings weren't wired to worship. No, because we're elevating people. We're constantly looking for some, some culture to bow to. We're constantly looking for some celebrity to bow to. We're constantly looking for some creativity to bow to. It's kind of how we're wired. And so my question, my first question for you to ponder is, what has my need? I mean, seriously, think about that. Like maybe it's just pleasure. Maybe a desire for pleasure, that that's kind of what guides your life. It kind of what is the Lord of your life, you know, whatever kind of sexual pleasure you can find. Some of us are, are you're, you're, we're bound by that. And, and don't, you go, well, don't tell me what to do with my body. And I would say, okay, I won't, but what about the one who created you? Like, is he allowed to tell you what to do with your body? Um, People, we, we, we were, we're bound or, or we bow to just all sorts of maybe wild living and we go, well, I don't like any rules. I just like freedom. But that's not, that's not freedom because Jesus said in John chapter 8, the person who sins is a slave to that sin. It's a false sense of freedom. Some of us, maybe you bow to your past and you're like, you're like still living in that victim of, of, of the hurt and the pain of the past and maybe the unforgiveness and the anger and the rage. And it's really, it's really the Lord of your life. It's, it seems to creep up in all kinds of different ways, all that previous hurt. Maybe that's turned some of us to substance and you started out to just try to numb and now it's an addiction. Um, and and we're, 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 we're bowed to that. We're bound by that. And then there are some in here that were answering the question in your own mind when I said, what has your knee? You go, oh, I don't I don't bow to anything. I just bow to myself. And that sounds awesome. But it's the worst one of all. It is. Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 17 of Jeremiah, he said the heart is deceitful above everything else. It's more deceitful than all things. He said it's desperately wicked. He's talking about our hearts. And he says, and who can really even know how bad it is? So you know when people say, well, trust your heart, that's the worst advice anybody can give you. Do not trust your heart. 
No. So even this thought of bowing to self, it's just going to lead me astray. I, I heard this story about these two men. They were on a barge on a river. And as they were on the barge in, in this uh, river, the, 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 the current started to pick up. They hit this narrow part of the river, and uh, the, the barge was supposed to be, be off the water by then, and, and they couldn't get it through these rapids. They were much faster than they anticipated them to be. And so to the point that now the, the, the barge is headed towards this pretty good-sized waterfall. It was going to take their life. They didn't have a choice. These two men had to jump off this barge and let the boat go. And as they were out in these rapids, and they're just flailing away, panicked, not knowing what to do, uh, they're out there, and, and one of the men sees a, a rope tossed to him. And he reaches out, and he, and he grabs the rope. And uh, just as the other man is getting ready to grab the rope, he sees a, a big log floating by. And in his panic and in his uh, uh, franticness, he, he reaches onto the log because he thinks, well, at least, at least this will keep me afloat. And he grabs onto the log, and he just keeps right on going. Keeps going right down those rapids and right to the wall, waterfall, and he's never heard from again. See, the person that grabbed the rope, the reason why this saved him is because of what it was anchored to. On the, on the shore, there was a person on the end of that rope pulling that person to safety, pulling that person uh, to salvation. And the person that grabbed the log that was anchored to nothing, that was just constantly moving, he goes on to peril. This is what it looks like when we bow our knee to the wrong things. When we live our life for things that are constantly shifting, constantly changing, culture, you, you name it, whatever's going on in the world, whatever's hot today is going to be cold tomorrow, constantly shifting, even our desires, it's never enough. It takes more to get the same feeling from what you did yesterday, today, like it's constantly shifting. That's like holding on to a log that's just moving, that's not anchored to anything. I'm asking you, what? has your knee, and who has your knee, and is it anchored to something eternal? That brings us kind of to the second question that I would, I would want you to ponder today. First would be like, what has my knee? The second thing would be this. Well, then who deserves my knee? Like, what deserves my knee? And Paul answers that question in this, in this uh, text. He says in verse 9, Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now one of the things that's going to happen this evening when this football game is going on is there's going to be a lot of people who are very invested in, in everything that happens in this game because they have wagered large, large amounts of money on it. And I'm now going to give you some can't-miss bets to bet on this afternoon. I'm just kidding, I'm not. Wouldn't that be awesome to be like, my pastor gave me some real good advice on my bets today. No, that's not what I'm doing. But let me talk about it for a second. Because there are, you can bet on all kinds of crazy stuff. As a matter of fact, I heard on, the, on, uh, on a show this week that the, the number one betted part of the Super Bowl is the coin flip. Like more people are betting on the coin flip, heads or tails. <laughs> you got a 50-50 shot on that one. But you can bet on the coin flip. You can, bet on, uh, you can bet on what color of outfit the halftime Super Bowl performer is going to wear. You can bet on how long over under, on how long the uh, national anthem is going to be. You can bet all of these crazy little prop bets. You can, you can even stack 
bets together. They call this a parlay. I've done my research. I've never done sports betting in my life. I just did some research on it. You, you can add these bets together. And so you can bet uh, on, well, this player is going to score a touchdown. This player is going to have this many yards. This player is going to be the MVP. And this player is going to get a sack. And you can put all those bets together. And if all of those things happen, you can take your $100 that you bet, and if all five of those things happen that you predicted would happen, that $100 could sometimes turn into $10,000 or $100,000 as you put all the bets together. Now who wants to bet? No, I'm just kidding. We're not. That's not what I'm saying. Stop. You, in the name of Jesus, I come against the spirit of greed right now. Amen. All right. That's not where I'm going with this. What I'm going with this is your $100 could turn into $100,000 if you knew for certain what was going to happen. That is the same spirit that Paul writes, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. He says that with absolute certainty. There is no doubt, there is no, this might happen. There is no, this should happen. There is no, this could happen. No, he's saying every knee will one day bow before Jesus Christ. Every tongue will confess. What that means is that saved knees are gonna bow and unsaved knees are gonna bow. It means rich knees are gonna bow before the Lord and poor knees are gonna bow before the Lord. Old knees are gonna bow before the Lord and young knees are gonna bow before the Lord. Buddhist knees are gonna bow before Jesus Christ. Hindu knees are gonna bow before Jesus Christ. New age knees are gonna bow before Jesus Christ. Muslim knees are gonna bow before Jesus. Christian knees are gonna bow before Jesus and atheist knees are gonna bow before Jesus Christ. As sure as the sun is gonna rise tomorrow, your knee will bow before Jesus. The question is not will this happen, the question is when this will happen. Because some people will bow for the thousandth time when they stand before Jesus at the end of this life. They'll bow for the thousandth time and say, Jesus, once again, you are Lord. Once again, I declare you as Lord. And yet, for some in that moment, at the end of this life, for some, it will be the first time that they bow. And they'll say, you, 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 you are. Those that are bowing for the thousandth time, their eyes will be filled with tears of joy tears of gratitude, and then those that are bowing for the first time, it won't be tears of joy, but it'll be tears of regret, tears of remorse, that they missed the chance, that they didn't understand who deserved their knee. It's an important question to ponder, who deserves your knee, and if, if it's true that Jesus does. If, if, if Paul is saying that with that level of certainty and it's true, then what would keep us from bowing our knee to him today? I can only think of two things. I could think of maybe ignorance, meaning like I, I didn't even know, I didn't understand, which after today, none of us can even claim that because I'm doing a mediocre job of explaining that every knee's gonna bow. So we can't even go ignorance. So it's either gonna be ignorance that would keep us from it or arrogance that would keep us from it. I would just implore you, don't let arrogance, don't let pride. I go, I, I don't need any of that. I don't believe any of that. That part doesn't change the reality that Jesus Christ is the only one who deserves your knee. And at one point, every knee will bow. Amen.
I had the, um, I had the privilege of, of sitting down a couple weeks ago and having a conversation uh, through a FaceTime with Irving Fryer. He's a 17-season uh, professional football player, wide receiver, five-time pro bowler. Uh, he was actually on the, uh, the original um, Hall of Fame ballot for this year. Didn't make uh, into the Pro Bowl this year, but he was on the ballot. Uh, played for the Dolphins. I know some of you would remember that name, Irving Fryer, from his years playing with Dan Marino. But I got to sit down with him and talk to him about his journey and, and, and kind of his uh, path to finding the Lordship of Jesus Christ in his life. I want you to check this out. Well, Irving Fryer, thank you so much for, uh, for doing this. I'm telling you, I am just so honored to get to talk to you a little bit. Um, talk to me about just your football journey. Well, it was different. I didn't really play football until I was in high school. I had planned on going into the Marines after high school. Wow. My mother said, you need to go to college. You're the first one in our family to ever go to college. I got mad at my mom, and I went as far away as I could, <laughs> University of Nebraska. <laughs> you were first overall pick, weren't you? Yes. Drafted by um, New, New England, England. yeah. Mm -hmm. And nine years yes. in New England? Nine years in New England. And a Super Bowl. And then I was, yeah, and a Super Bowl. No, that's, that's so cool. And then uh, yeah, I know some that. guys from, our, from around here will be excited about when you played for the Dolphins. You were with uh, yeah. Marino for a couple years, right? Yes. Talk about that uh, that moment in where you do find Christ. Uh, how, how did that come about? Well, I was I was raised in a Christian home. We were dysfunctional. Yeah. Didn't you don't realize that until you become until you become an adult. So I made bad choices and bad decisions early in my career. About my my fifth year in the league, a young man came up to me one day during practice and said to me, "Listen, you need to get your act together." Shortly thereafter, I was in Boston doing an appearance at a community center. And I had been hearing about this church and a guy by the name of Chris Womack. He was one of the deacons at the church and the church was actually having their services at that community center. So I'm doing the speaking engagement. I'm talking to the kids, signing autographs. And Chris comes up to me afterwards and invites me to church. <laughs> That's awesome. I go to the church that Friday and I never look back. Wow. He, he made all things new yeah. because he transformed the way I was able to see things. He transformed and changed the people I was hanging around. He transformed the way I saw life. He transformed my thinking, renewed my mind. Yeah. And I, I started marching according to the beat of his drum. Yeah. Now let's say, because there's people watching this right now that are in that valley of decision and they're like, should I give myself to to Jesus? What's the short answer to why I should make this decision? One of the misconceptions about Christianity is that people think that Christians are exempt from problems yeah, and issues. Right. But that is a lie straight from the devil. Yeah. <laughs> that is a lie. Putting your faith in Jesus does not exempt you from problems. Yeah. But what it does is when problems come, come we have the one who is the, the source that we need, the power that we need to help us to deal with our issues and the challenges and the problems that we face in our lives. We become more of who Christ is and more of who he wants us to be in that we're the good that's here on earth. So for someone who is thinking about or who has thought about giving your life to Christ, listen, I lost all my money, my wife, I lost everything. You don't realize that the only thing you need is Christ mm. because that, that's really all I had yeah. at the time. I had to start off, Brother Pastor, I had to start all over again, but that's been the best part of my life. Yeah. That, I mean, that sounds crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds crazy when I had zero my relationship with God has saved my life. My relationship with God has been the best thing that ever happened to me. Listen, I was a first round draft choice. I had money. 
I could do whatever I wanted to do, but I was the most miserable person hmm. in the world. I tried to take my own life one time. The only way we become a part of God's family is through Christ. And I promise you, I promise you, I've talked to numerous people. They tried other religions and there's different roads you can take to get to God. No, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The only way we can get to God is through Christ and what he's done for us. Well, Irving, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, it has been such an honor and privilege to get to spend some time with you. I look forward to our continuing relationship and uh, take care. Thank you. All right, God bless you. Amen, one more time. That was awesome that he was willing to do that. So we said, what has my knee? And that's why Jesus had to come be obedient to even death on a cross because we've given our knee to all of these youth, useless things that's leading us down a road of destruction. We said, who deserves my knee? And Paul said, there's no other name. Jesus is the name above all of those names. So then it would bring me to the last question I would want you to think about today. And it would be this, why does my knee matter? Like, what's the big deal? Why does my knee matter? And um, I would say that this is why, is because eternity is at stake. Like this, this decision of what you bow to, it affects not just your life now. Yes, it can make your life miserable when you bow to the wrong things here on earth, but we're talking about eternity being at stake. That's why Paul says in verse 12 and 13, same Philippians chapter two, he says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Your submission matters because not only were you, you were born to bow, but you're also, you're, you're created for purpose. God has been pursuing you for his purpose. And that's what some of you, like maybe today is the first time you're even hearing anything like this. Listen to me, that's why you're here. It's because God is pursuing you for his purpose. He says, work out, we should work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And this, this fear and trembling is not like, well, I'm scared of God. Some of you have been afraid to like approach God. That, that's not what Paul means when he says to do this with fear and trembling. What he's saying is that because our flesh can find the wrong things to bow to and disqualify us from eternity with Jesus, that should be the fear and trembling. Knowing that left in and of ourselves, we're in trouble. That's the fear and trembling. So we, we should work out our salvation with fear and trembling, trusting Jesus with our life. Now, I was in an airport yesterday, and uh, I was getting a, something, uh, buying something in the airport, and, and I had a, a Chiefs shirt on. And because I was in the airport the day before the Super Bowl, the person checking me out said, are you, are you going to the Super Bowl? I said, oh, man, I wish. Uh, but I said, no, I'm, I'm just going home. And, uh, uh, and then, and then uh, I, I got to thinking about it afterwards. I said, she asked me if I was going to the Super Bowl. She didn't ask me if I was playing in the Super Bowl. <laughs> I got to thinking about that. I said, you know, it's been a long time since somebody made a mistake of assuming I was an NFL player. It's been a while since that's happened. I'm not sure why everybody's laughing right now, but... Uh, uh, here, this is a picture of an NFL player. His name's... J.J. Watt, and, uh, and then this is me. I think we're starting to see why she asked me if I was going to the game instead of asking me if I was playing in the game. And the only, you can say, well, what's the difference between you and J.J. Watt? There's a couple differences. 
But one of the main differences is our workout or lack thereof. All right, I get it. Stop, all right? Now you're just being mean. No, it's, it's, our, it's a difference in, in workout. And so he's put in for years a workout at a level that I have not even thought about. I've not even dreamed of. Paul says that we got to work out our salvation, that there would be something to this. If you, if you look at the Greek, the, the, that in English it gets translated, work out your salvation. In the Greek, it's a phrase that means this. I mean, get it to its full perfection. That's what Paul's saying. Get it to your full perfection. Like, make sure salvation is at its full perfection. We sometimes misunderstand salvation. And we think we're doing God a favor when we come to church or when we give a little bit or when we maybe sing a song or lift our hands and we go, God, hope you saw that because I'm really doing you a solid here. And that's not salvation. Salvation is this. If I'm left to my own, uh, to my own desires and to my own self and to my own abilities, I am lost. I need to be saved. I need to I need to have that salvation worked out in me. To bring it to its full completion means internal and external. And Paul talks about both of those. Paul says it's God who works in you to fulfill his purpose. So it's by his spirit that it happens inside. And then he says, and you, you work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That there's a part that you play on the outside. Still by the help of the spirit, but it's both. So God does the work inside that I cannot do. And then I show that on the outside with my life. That's what it means to do this to its full perfection. That's why my name matters, because eternity is at stake. I once saw Francis Chan talk about eternity this way. And he said, if this rope would represent each one of you individually... And if that's true, that this represents you, your, your essence, your existence, that here's how this would work. This rope would be eternity, and this little part right here would represent your life here on this earth. Like that's, that's how long eternity is compared to just this little blip of life. Let's say we live for a long time. Let's say we live till we're 100. It would still just look like this in light of eternity. And yet we live our whole life focused on this and never thinking about that. We are willing to, we're willing to sacrifice that for some little pleasure here. We're willing to sacrifice all of that for some little sin here. Always living our life focused on these little few days that we have and not thinking about this. Living our life bowing to whatever's gonna make this little part, this day, this moment exciting and fun and never thinking about this. What a dangerous, what a dangerous way to live. I'd say, why does it matter? Why does your knee matter? Because of eternity. You're going to spend eternity somewhere and if somewhere in this window, I can truly make Jesus Christ my Lord. If somewhere in that window, I can find that moment where I bow my knee and say, Jesus, you're you're it. You're my Lord. My tongue confesses you as my Savior. I, I, I spend eternity with God. And if I don't find that moment on this window that we call life on earth, if I don't find that moment, I spend eternity suffering away from the presence of God. God's not sending me there. I'm sending myself there 
but my choice. That's why it's so important. In the olden days when kings and kingdoms were, were more spread out around the world, someone would walk into a king's presence and they knew what to do. They'd walk into a king's presence and they would bow their knee saying, my Lord. And if they didn't, many times that would be punishable by death. Well, that's what I want each one of us to find our, our way, certainly figuratively, spiritually. There we go, Jesus, I confess now and I'll confess it a thousand more times. You are Lord of my life. I confess with my mouth, you are everything. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.